good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to morning worship at Hillhead. Special welcome to Diane, who's joining us on Zoom this morning. Uh, and Diane, I assume your husband, <laughs> you are very welcome. And uh, we hope that you'll stay at the end of the service uh, and join one of the breakout rooms so we can get a, a chance to chat with you. Our service this morning will be led by our Minister Katrina, but also taking part are Alan, who will lead us in the Lord's Prayer, and Brian, Wendy, Ian and Elizabeth, Katrina and Leo, who will read scripture for us. Our musicians this morning are Paul, Sheila and Neil. And in just a moment, Edith and Bethany will light our candle for us. And then in family news this week, we were very sorry to hear that Nancy's sister died this week. Please remember Nancy and her wider family in your prayers. And we ask for your prayers too for Marit's family. Although doctors worked very hard to save uh, Marit's mum's foot following her motorcycle accident, she had surgery last week to amputate her leg. Now, although this is clearly life-changing, she now at least has some clarity about the way forward and Marit feels that overall this is a positive thing to do in terms of her mum's overall recovery, but obviously massively life-changing both for Marit's mum and for her grandparents and for everyone else in her wider family. And please remember to Leslie, whose sister Lorna has been back in hospital again. But now it's time for Edith and Bethany to light our candle. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light this day. Oh 
So I will lead us in a short prayer, and after that, Alan will lead us in the Lord's Prayer. But please feel free, wherever you are, to join in that in the language and version which is the most normal and natural for you. Let's pray together. Gathering God, thank you for your welcome. That wherever we are, and however we are feeling, you are with us that you are fully aware of whatever life has brought us in recent days and that you will be with us as we discover what lies ahead of us. It's because we are assured of that welcome that we can open our hearts and minds to you to express gratitude and praise for what's been good and life-affirming, to express disappointment and regret for anything that has been life-denying to express our hopes and fears, our questions and wonderings about life in the coming days. Gathering God, as we meet in the name of Jesus, may your spirit move among us and within us so that we may listen carefully for your voice and be empowered to respond to what you call to each one of us. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. A much respected minister friend of mine used to have a saying when an apparent set of coincidences arose that seemed to slot perfectly into place. He would say, if you were religious, you might think that God had something to do with it. Well, since last Sunday, I've had quite a few such moments. In one-to-one -one conversations, in reading posts on Twitter, and even an invitation to join the Baptist Union of Scotland's midweek prayer meeting on Zoom this week. In fact, right at the end of it, somebody from the Baptist Union of Scotland said, you might think God had something to do with it. These hmm moments, the ways that I tend to sense God's spirit nudging me, have informed the shape and to some extent the content of our service today. Last Sunday, after the service, I was chatting to Holly and we drifted onto the topic of reflection, a practice that is strongly advocated in many different professions. Whilst I can't recall her exact words, Holly managed to encapsulate in a short sentence something that would probably have taken me about three pages. So be grateful today for Holly. 
she said, the question we need to ask ourselves is, is what we're about navel gazing or is it reflection? Are we taking time and space to think just for its own sake or because we want that thinking to lead to action? Because it's this latter that's reflection. Thinking that leads to insights and understanding that will inform or transform our practice. And that, in some measure, is what we're going to be trying to do today. Now, we are all unique, we're all different, and our attempts at reflection and what works for us will be very different for each one of us. In this service, there will be an opportunity to use actions, images, writing or doodling, as well as time just to sit quietly and allow our minds to explore. It's completely up to you how you use that time. So if you're online and you want to turn your cameras off, that's totally fine. If you're online or on site and want to move around, feel free to do so. And if what I say doesn't resonate, well, just use the space in a way that does hopefully help you a little bit. The only request I've got this morning is that you concentrate on yourself and your reflections. Don't be looking around to see what I'm doing over here or they're doing over there. That's, that's not what it's about. That's not reflection. That's um, what they used to call when I was growing up sticky beaking, looking around to see what else is going on around you. Just take some time to be still and hopefully to connect with God and trust others will do that too. One of the key parts or key um, areas of thinking this morning is some words from Psalm 139. Oh Lord, you search me and you know me. So as we prepare to enter more fully into a reflective space, let's sing a setting of those words together now.
A reading from Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And from Psalm 139. Lord, you it was who fashioned my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for you fill me with awe. Wonderful you are, and wonderful your works. You know me through and through. My body was no mystery to you. When I was formed in secret, woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes foresaw my deeds. They were all recorded in your book. My life was fashioned before it had come into being. One of the themes that we've been thinking about a lot this year is what it means to be made in the image and likeness of God. And it's been really interesting. We've heard lots of different people talk about different aspects of that. But sometimes it's good and challenging to take some time to reflect privately on what that means for us individually and personally to say, I am made in the image of likeness of God. I'm going to read you a poem by an Anglican poet, theologian, theologian and liturgist called Janet Morley. It's called The Bodies of Grown-Ups. The bodies of grown-ups come with stretch marks and scars, faces that have been lived in, relaxed breasts and bellies, backs that give trouble and well-worn feet, flesh that is particularly particular and obviously mortal. They also come with bruises on their hearts, wounds they can't forget, and each of them, a company of lovers in their soul who will not return and cannot be erased. And yet I think there is a flood of beauty beyond the smoothness of youth. And my heart aches for that grace of longing that flows through bodies no longer straining to be innocent, but yearning for redemption. Way back in 2011, a couple of days after my cancer surgery, I was allowed to have a shower for the first time. And one of the things that struck me was there were no mirrors in the hospital bathroom. No way to see what I look like now. Having had a few other surgical procedures since then, that seems to be quite typical. And there probably are good reasons for the lack of mirrors. But I couldn't help feeling, however unintentional it was, 
It emphasised the myth of physical perfection as a measure of worth. I've come to believe that my scars, my misshapen bits, the bits that don't work quite as they once did are beautiful and in some measure are an expression of the image of God or at least an image of the wounded Christ. Hopefully you have a mirror or a mirror tile to hand or if you've got a phone you can always use the camera in uh, selfie mode because that will give you a mirror. If you don't have anything I have got some mirror tiles at the back of the room. Um, you will need to peel the blue film off them um, to work and they're not the best. I will tell you now they're not the best but they do work after a fashion. So what I'm going to invite you to do is to spend some time looking at your own reflection and thinking about your own physical body. What does it mean to be made in the image and likeness of God? And do this kindly. Do it gently. Don't criticise yourself or be harsh with yourself. Because this is a truth that you are made in the image of likeness of God. And as you do so, here's a couple of options of things you might like to say just to help keep you focused. It's like a mantra. You could keep saying to yourself over and over, I'm made in the image and likeness of God. Or you could say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. The music will last around about a minute. I'm just looking at my music player in over. Um, and we will um, do that. So thank you. A reading from 1 Corinthians, love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end, as for tongues, they will cease, as for knowledge, it will come to an end, for we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part, but when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And we have a reading from James. Be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. 
For if any are hearers of the word, but not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and, on going away, immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. So I wonder how that felt, just taking literally a minute, minute and a half, focusing on our own physicality with the aim of delighting in it. Did we, however fleetingly, glimpse something of the mystery and wonder of who we are or how much God delights in us? Or was it a bit too much? I took a quick glance and then we looked away again. I was preparing for Lilius's funeral for which the whole of 1 Corinthians 13 was chosen. One of the things that really stood out for was the idea of the glimpses of God's perfect love that we're granted in our lives. Not clear images as it would be in a modern mirror like this one, but as the King James Version of the Bible puts it, through a glass darkly, maybe like looking in one of those mirror tiles, or what you see when you sight of yourself in a shop window, or even the distorted image in the back of a spoon. What have we already glimpsed this morning? And will we remember in the days ahead what we notice, or will it slip away just as quickly? And if that's true, if we forget what we glimpsed, however imperfectly, what might we miss out on? I wonder what words, thoughts and feelings have come up for us as we allowed ourselves a little bit of time to ponder our own reflection. James, in his letter, compares those who discover a new insight and do nothing about it with somebody who looks in a mirror and straight away forgets what they've seen. And I think this is a real risk when we're reflecting, whether it's on our own worth, whether it's on the timeless truths in scripture, or any of the complex and challenging topics of our own time. So for the next couple of minutes, we're going to have a chance to try and fix something of what we've gained in glimpse by looking into the mirror. If it's helpful, you can write that down or doodle again. Here, those here in the room, there's paper and pens at the back if you don't have one. Just to think, how, what do I want to take away and how will I remember that? Now, if you're like me, you've probably got a brilliant forgettery, or you might find it a bit difficult to get started. So here, hopefully, we have some questions that you might want to use as a prompt. What did I notice I want to remember? What seems important? Is there something I want to think more about? And what one thing will I take away with me? It's only about a minute, so just a chance to doodle or write or whatever is helpful for you to anchor something you've thought about.
Wendy is going to bring us some more words from Psalm 139. Thanks, Wendy. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. When I was a child, my little sister had a kaleidoscope, which I thought was the most wonderful toy. And uh, we have got a few of them around today. And if you're on site and you like one, there are some at the back. Feel free to help yourself. My sister's kaleidoscope had a long metal tube with pictures of the Magic Roundabout characters printed on it. And at one end, there was a ring. And if you turned that ring, the most amazing images would appear. And I would be quite envious. I longed to have such a toy, but I didn't. Decades later, whilst I was training for ministry, I came across the image of the metaphor, sorry, the metaphor of the kaleidoscope in the work of a theologian called Paul Minier. And he was talking about the images we use for the church. And he said they're a little bit like the pieces of glass or plastic in the, in the kaleidoscope. And you can twist them together and create new and wonderful new images of, and possibilities of what church might look like. And it's a metaphor that I found very helpful over the years. I use it time and time again when I'm reflecting. And I'm going to share a picture. I'm going to have to just do a bit of scooting past because I did have some backup pictures of kaleidoscope images in case it didn't work, but it did, so that's good. And I'm going to show you a picture of me standing inside a kaleidoscope. Does anybody know where that one is? It's in Glasgow. Anyone been to it? Bonnie's nodding. So it's down by the Science Centre on the side of the Collide. And I discovered this um, kaleidoscope and I went and stood inside it and enjoyed what I saw and it inspired me to write a poem for my diploma on uh, pastoral supervision I had to reflect on supervision on supervision being supervised by a supervisor and it seemed that this um, image of the kaleidoscope was helpful but also had some echoes of 130, Psalm 139 so I'm going to indulge myself and read my poem to you You wait quietly and patiently for me to arrive. You invite me to step into the kaleidoscope, to take a moment to adjust as, at the speed of light, so infinitesimally small in time, the reflections appear, and I much more slowly become aware of them. I choose a mirror, gazing deeply into it, seeing what I see. And you listen. And you observe. Seeing with different eyes. Seeing indeed with many eyes. Seeing it seems with as many as seven. I pause. You reflect my words and invite me to turn my head, myself, 
to left or right, to look up or to look out, even to turn around. What do I see here or there? The images coalesce. Patterns begin to emerge in the twisting and turning, the noticing, wondering, behind, beneath, beyond, within and without. I realise, I name, I let go, I take up. We smile, savouring the moment. I step out from the kaleidoscope, carrying in my pot a new chip pocket, a new chip of coloured glass, to add to the rich variety in another kaleidoscope. Older, well-worn, much loved and infinitely precious. The kaleidoscope of my whole unique beautiful life. things we do here at Hillhead week by week is to pray for the other Baptist churches in Scotland using the Baptist Union's prayer diary. And this week, because we were one of the churches they were praying for, I was invited to join the staff team for their midweek prayer gathering, which takes place on Zoom, and to share a little bit of what's happening for us at the moment. They prayed for us, and quite movingly, they also prayed for me. During the prayer time, two people shared images that they felt that God was encouraging them to share with us as signs or symbols of encouragement. And with their permission, I'm going to share those now. Unfortunately, I don't have the exact images because somebody was going to send me one and forgot, but that's okay. I would also say this isn't for me the way that God normally speaks to me. God doesn't tend to give me pictures, but I know God gives other people pictures. And I'm sure these will be um, of inspiration and encouragement to us, or at least I hope they will be. The first was an image of a maypole, with the multicoloured ribbons being woven into beautiful patterns. The person who shared it apologised. They said, well, it's not actually a Christian image, is it? It's, it's got pre-Christian origins. But even so, they felt sure it was for us along with a verse of scripture that they couldn't quite remember, but I looked up afterwards. It comes from Isaiah 54. Enlarge the sight of your tent and let the curtains of your habitation be stretched out. Do not hold back. 
lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. So I leave you that image and those words to ponder what might God be saying to us through any of that. The second image was described by a person who was telling me they'd been to a tile making workshop. And at this tile making workshop, they began with a grey lump of clay and had to spend a lot of time working it to get it to the right shape and the right size and get it ready for decoration. And when they took it home, all they had was a square of dull grey clay with some patterns marked on it. They had to wait for it to dry out before it could be decorated and glazed. But they talked also about the cafe at the place where they'd done this workshop. Now, this photo is not from that cafe. This is one that I found online, the generic photo. But on the wall of this cafe were, was a mosaic of these handmade tiles, each one different, each one unique, different colours, different patterns. And yet together, they made something really beautiful. And they felt that this too was an image for us to think about as we reflect and discern where God is leading us as a church. So I wonder, as we've been sharing this morning, has any image popped into your mind? Are you an imagey kind of person? Or maybe it's a word, a line from the song, a thought that's popped into your head. It could be something completely different. We're just going to hear another piece of music now, and it's an opportunity, if something has struck you, to note it down so you can remember it. Is it something perhaps to share with other people, or something to keep for yourself? Is it something for all of us as a church? Let's just take some time to listen, reflect, and to note down. Some words from Psalm 139, verses 17 and 18. And verse 17 can be read uh, in two very different uh, translations. And so I'm going to read this twice uh, so that you can hear uh, the alternative translations, which I think will speak very much into the theme of this morning. So this is the, the New International Version. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When we awake, I am still with you. And this is the New Living Translation. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. 
they cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. James chapter 2, verses 14 to 18. Faith and deeds. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Some of you, I'm sure, will remember Dr. Gavin Merrifield, who, whilst he was working as a researcher in Glasgow, was a regular worshipper here at Hillhead. This week on Twitter, he retweeted an image I'd posted, which was a picture of my phone when the temperature in Glasgow reached 30 degrees. And he wrote with the picture, he wrote above that picture, these words. If every church minister doesn't at least comment or lament on our climate inaction this Sunday, we're doing something very wrong in our churches. Preaching and leading in repentance would be much better, especially as other countries are bearing far worse for longer. The psalmist asked God to search their heart and mind and to show them where and how they might have fallen short and instead to leave them in the ways of life and hope. And I think what Gavin writes has the influence of such a prayer. It's not enough just to notice that the temperature is high, not enough just to take steps to protect ourselves from the short-term effects. If our reflection on this or anything else is to have any worth, then it has to lead us to real action. And that's what my all-time favorite passage of scripture states so bluntly. Faith that does not express itself in deeds is worthless or even dead. And it's true also of reflection that doesn't lead to action. It's been really important this morning for us to take time and reflect on who we are as God's beloved human children. And it's been really good to hear words of encouragement as people give us images and ideas to, to encourage our own ongoing reflection and exploration. But unless the insights we discover find lived expression, then frankly, in the words of the writer of Ecclesiastes, it's all just a chasing after the wind. Do you remember the question that Holly shared? Is it navel-gazing or is it reflection? Just taking time to think, however carefully, risks becoming navel-gazing if it doesn't lead to some kind of action. 
Like so much of a lived faith, reflection isn't an event, it's a process. It carries on for the long term. So we begin now, as we move towards our intercessory prayer, by singing a hymn that expresses some of that challenge we face as people who reflect on life and faith. I have a dream, a man once said. So now we begin to respond as we bring our prayers for others and for each other. Let us pray. O oh God, you search us and know us. And even before we form the words, you know the thoughts and feelings that will inspire our prayers. This week, as temperatures across the British Isles have exceeded anything previously recorded, we have seen how the terrible and terrifying implications of climate chaos have resulted in tragedy for ordinary people, with whole communities made homeless and wildlife environments destroyed. As we close curtains to keep cool, enjoy the opportunity for sea swimming, outdoor dining or leisurely evening strolls, please remind us that there is a bigger picture 
and that the choices we make have long-term consequences. We pray for emergency services and local councils responding to urgent situations. And we pray for climate scientists and international leaders shaping policies and practices that impact the whole world. We open ourselves to your gaze. Show us how the small choices we can make will help make our prayers a reality. As fuel and food prices continue to soar, and as a taken-for-granted infrastructure of our nation groans under the combined stresses of political decisions, pandemic disease and climate changes, we are reminded just how interconnected our lives are with those of the people who drive buses and trains, who pick strawberries, rear livestock, those who care for people who are sick or infirm, and so many, many more. As we notice prizes rising and make choices about spending our money, we know that for so many, the choices between food and fuel, rent and loan repayments are stark and frightening. We pray for those whose daily work enables us to travel, to buy food or clothes, to receive medical care or to enjoy treats. We pray for leaders of commerce and industry, staff associations and trades unions, civil servants and political leaders, as complex situations need careful consideration and compassionate decision making. Again, we open ourselves to your gaze. Show us the small changes we can make to help make our prayers a reality. Week by week, we pray for the work of BMS World Mission, who seek to live out their faith in practical ways, serving the most marginalised people groups in healthcare, advocacy and education. This week, they especially ask our prayers for their healthcare work in Chad, where surgeons, pharmacists and hospital administrators bring hope to people in great need, including those with disabilities who are often overlooked or stigmatised. We pray for these men and women of faith, whose faith is expressed practically in the busy G2 Mission Hospital and in rural healthcare in the north of the country. As part of the Baptist Union of Scotland, we pray for our siblings in Christ and our sister churches. This week, we think of Alan Holloway, who brings his expertise to the legal expertise to the union and who works with local congregations transitioning into new charitable entities called SCIOs. We also remember local congregations at Hopeman and in the Keething Baptist churches. We pray in all they seek to do and to be, their faith in Christ and their love of God will inspire them to live hopefully and generously. We continue to pray for those who share their administrative gifts with us as we pray for our own finance team, quietly working away to ensure that our money is used wisely 
and our finances administered diligently. We also bring our prayers for the households and families who reflect the diversity of our congregation. This week especially we think of Steve, Neil, Anita and Bonnie, Dr Beth, Mary, Janet and Roger, Joyce and Morag, Jen, Andrew, Carl and Aidan, Elaine, Graham, Freya and Sarah, and John E. We pray for these, our siblings in Christ, friends and companions, whose diverse needs are known fully by God alone. We also pray for those who face life-changing changes in their lives, thinking of Marit's mother and Marit's wider family, <coughs> and for Lilius's family and all who mourn at this time. <coughs> Lastly, we take a few moments of quiet to bring our private prayers to God, perhaps especially those for our own needs. As we do so, we remind ourselves of the truths upon which we have reflected, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that God knows us fully and God loves us eternally. O God, you've searched us and known us. You have seen deep into our hearts and minds as we have prayed. As our time together draws to its close, we ask that it would show us how to live out the answers we seek and lead us in the way everlasting. Amen. said to the prophet Jeremiah, Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. As we go our separate ways into the mystery of the week ahead, may we do so assured that the God who made us and loves us speaks these words to us and will walk with us every step of the way as we reflect 
and as we respond in faith, now and always. Amen.